Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Marco. Sean. I'm confused. By what? I, I get this strange feeling that you're a gecko. <laughs> <laughs> I can just push a button and I can morph you become into, into something else, too. If you don't like the gecko, you know, I can, I can be a chameleon, I can change well, I, color. I find I you can... much more influential <laughs> when you're a gecko. <laughs> I don't know well, how that works. But. Especially if you start walking on, on two feet and uh, human eyes and have a, a Cockney accent from uh, you know from London, I think uh, you may be much more likable than, uh, than just be more yourself. Than me, exactly. <laughs> well, people usually wonder why do we start with some weird conversations, and uh, there is always a reason. Right, Sean? Where are you going with this? Well, I, I think the, the virtual view I have of you is uh, kind of teasing out this idea that there are virtual humans. And just like we have influencers in the, in the human world, we also have influencers in the virtual human world. And uh, it's a super interesting topic. And I'm, I'm thrilled we're going to have this conversation today. It's one I've been looking forward to for a long time. And yeah, uh, who, who do sure. we have to help us? Because uh, I'm I'm the real Sean today, and uh, I'm not very smart. So <laughs> who can help us look smart? No, yeah, yeah, right, Sean. This is a conversation I wanted to have for a long time because in redefining society, the way we interact with our digital world is definitely become one of the topic conversation as we move into the metaverse and everything. What is real? What is not real? And our virtual relationship all these two years of pandemic of talking with people where we are become friend but we never actually met so there is this interaction and then of course as you mentioned the character like the gecko and how we've always had relationship with character in advertising in uh, in uh, in branding in movies of course animation disney and, and all of that anyway enough of me talking i want to introduce uh, Astrid Hjort, she's uh, with us from Berlin, and uh, we finally get to chat. Exciting. Yeah, it's great to be on. 
Awesome, awesome. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself, your background. I know you come from the fashion world, which I found very interesting already to make the connection from that world to the you know advertising maybe world and uh, all the influencers. But please, a little bit about yourself for our audience. Yeah, so my name is Esther Yord, and um, I work as a virtual influencer consultant and also contributing writer for virtualhumans.org, which is a website that has a database on virtual influencers and also, yeah, I write about the industry. Yeah, so basically my background is a little bit different as I come from the fashion industry and um, specifically fashion journalism, um, where I kind of also started like hearing first about uh, little Michaela attending a fashion show and also Shudu kind of becoming part of Balmain's digital model army. So that was like my first introduction to virtual influences. Um, and yeah, it kind of had to happen that there had to be a pandemic and for me to kind of question why I was writing about fashion and I basically needed a change. And so through my writing, I started to write Instagram posts for um, some virtual influences and start to create storyboarding and yeah, come up with personalities and uh, storylines for them. So uh, yeah, you, yeah, you, we just kinda, crushed, uh, you just crushed it for me. I, <laughs> I, there's a real human behind these virtual <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, They're not sentient for yet. For now, exactly. Good, good point for now. <laughs> Well, I, I find this very interesting. I, I've, I've worked in the fashion world myself in advertising from uh, for for a while, and uh, you know, always important to who, who is your testimonial, right? And uh, you know, from the top model to the famous actors to something else. But the point is that, as you said, one day you're writing about fashion, and some virtual characters show up, and you're like, "What the hell?" <laughs> Yeah. Or were you, hmm, okay, I mean, this could work. So tell me about the genesis of this. Like, what, what have you learned once you, once you realized that this was a possibility uh, at the time, what happened? And, uh, you know, how did you figure out this, how this came to be? And why do you think that was important to write about it? Well, so I think, first of all, what really intrigued me is that it's such a new area still even though some of the virtual influences and humans have been around since early 2000s um so yeah but i think it's it's intriguing to be part of something new and in the very beginning stage and also just apply kind of like in like a marketing sense how they can be utilized and also be beneficial for brands um, and yeah, the, how they also even could be a gateway into the metaverse, piece uh, specifically. Um, so yeah, that's really what had my interest in starting to write about these. And also I think from a creative point of view, the sky is like the limit when it comes to virtual humans and, and influences. So I don't know how, I mean, there's so much with, with fashion and clearly you made a, a shift into uh, 
virtual humans and uh, certainly in virtual humans, there's a lot of technology and I, I've seen a lot of technology in, in the fashion world as well. I don't know if there's ever a crossover there or, and, and kind of how, how do you see the technology playing a role in making a lot of this possible? Well, so I think technology is like really key when it comes to this. And also there are um, fashion brands like, for example, Burberry, who has even created these little do doubles of uh, Kendall Jenner and Naomi Campbell. And I think that really shows also then how those celebrities can utilize themselves, even like they don't have to fly for a shoot to Japan. They can send their digital double if they, if they want to. Um, so, but yeah, but of course it also, it takes, you know, it takes for also big companies to start putting money into that technology and developing that and see a real, uh, opportunity. And, um, Astrid, can I pause you? Cause I, I'm super curious. Mm -hmm. who, who makes that investment to create those virtual doubles? Is it? Is it the Burberry in this case, and therefore it's limited to Burberry, or do they make it and and it it's the property of of the, the the Jenners, and they can take it from Burberry and use it somewhere else, or I don't know if you know that specific case, or in general, do you have an idea mm -hmm. of how that works? Um, I wouldn't want to go into complete specific, but I would I would probably imagine since it is. Uh, Burberry that they have the rights for that. I still think there's a lot of um, legal holes and hold this atmosphere of who can use these virtual humans and influences. Um, but I would imagine that then if celebrities were to create their own, like that's not in relations to a specific brand yet, they would have the full um, rights to, to that model. Um, so I guess Sean, you, you were you were going into who like do you did somebody develop this character and then they offer it to the company or the company just created from scratch? Was that was that like your your angle there? Because I'm kind of curious to to do that as well. Is like is there a mar how's the market working with that, right? Mm. Because I, I you you mentioned the website that you that you write for, and I can see character there are uh, very human. Uh, others are a little bit like a Pixar movie. There is a Barbie. There is a sausage. <laughs> there is yeah. the, the, the gecko. And there are some are cartoonish. Some they're very streamlined cartoon, like uh, you know the meme that we see on uh, all over social media. And and how are they used? And how do you know which one works or what doesn't? Because it seems to me like there are specifically psychologically carved to appeal to kids, to yeah. teenagers, to older people, decision makers like the gecko, for example. So can you explain me a little bit how do you, how do you measure the success and how the industry started to learn what works, what doesn't? Because it sounded a little bit weird. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's another uh, thing when it comes to virtual, when the concept of virtual humans, you have virtual influences, which are both, you both have the hyper-realistic um, characters like little Michaela or Shudu. Um, and then you have more like non-human characters, like for example, Nobody Sausage or 
um, Geico the Gecko. Um, so, and then you also have even dogs and like animals that have their own kind of um, storylines. So I think, for example, it's interesting to, when it comes to non-human influences, to look at, for example, it's a company called Invisible Universe. So they are celebrity backed in the sense that when they, um, they team up with celebrities to then create a virtual influencer. Um, I think the latest one is Jennifer Aniston who created a dog that's called Clydeo. And so basically they want to be, or like what they're trying to be is kind of like a bit Pixar on social media, if I have to describe it. So if you think for my favorites, for example, Toy Story, you know, if like Woody or Buzz Lightyear had an Instagram profile, what would happen to them in like the social media space? So I think that's another, that's a very interesting take as well. Um, and also because then they get to interact directly with fans of these characters and understand what they want to see in the storyline. Do people know, I mean, I, I'm assuming there are a bunch of research, how people react to these and the, the, like, especially when you're talking to kids, for example, and the character is very human-like. And I, I know from static perspective, you can definitely do that. I mean, there are artificial intelligence creative faces that are as real as real can get. When they interact with this character, I mean, do they get fooled? I mean, the intention is, is to make them look like real people or there is that fantasy like, of course, if I see, you know, Buzz Lightyear, I know that it's not hmm. real. Well, then again, it's costable, you know, maybe it is, hmm. maybe not. Yeah, I mean, so, for example, with Invisible Universe, if we're talking about those characters, um, that's quite clear since it's a dog and it comes in different shapes and form. And also when they've created, with Serena Williams, they created a doll, like a toddler-like doll, but it's very, like, in how the visuals are created, it's very clear that this is an animation and it's a doll kind of like how you would see in like a, on, t on TV, for example, or a, ch a children's show on Netflix. Um, but then, of course, I think moving away from that, when you look at Shudu or Little Michaela, their intention uh, is to basically kind of blur the lines between what is real and what isn't. And I also think that's what kind of created like... Um, a hype around these virtual influences in the beginning because it's difficult for people to tell uh, whether or not they are real. Um, of course, there's also a bit of debate then if if that's a good thing or not. Um, um, because, it, for example, Shudo has very um, unrealistic beauty standards. Um, she's, I think the creator has said that she was like a mix between a Barbie doll and something else. And so that's not really like, it would never be physically possible to achieve that in real life. Um, so there's some debate about that. But then again, if you look at, there's a lot of human influences on social media who also use Photoshop and filters, um, who doesn't say that. So, you know. It's, it's a bit tricky in that sense to navigate 
um, that landscape. Right now, there's not a lot of transparency. But for some, it depends on kind of the creators. Um, that makes me think about that never-ending conversation that's been going on, I guess, from at least the 80s about photo retouching with modeling and the fashion industry, but also in the movie industry. And pretty much everybody that has, a, you know, an, an important role in society. I mean, I'm not going to say important, more like famous, right? I mean, important that sometimes comes with it, sometimes it doesn't. It's very uh, it's a different opinion on that. But the point is, as you, you, you said that it's a very unrealistic proportions, for example, for this model. But as we know, there is a distorted view that people have, especially on social media. It used to be when you flip the pages of Vogue or other magazine and there's been important movement for that, mm. right? And that to, to talk about the, the, that it that doesn't exist that perfection. It shouldn't be created artificially because it 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 affects the, the way that people think their own personality and so forth so when it goes to these and with social media becoming even more important in shaping the way that people live perceive themselves i'm wondering if it's important and i love your opinion on this to to maintain this line where it says look you're entering in a in a cartoon world right now. You're entering into a virtual world where you need to know that this is not reality. Because I feel like the consequences could be even worse than what they used to be. Yeah, I think looking ahead, I think right now, since it is a social media format and there is still, you know, I still believe that a lot of fans, they can kind of make up their own mind, but as the metaverse starts to materialize more and more um, and we will be interacting in a virtual reality where we will definitely meet virtual humans um, where we might not know clearly if it's real or not. I think that's when it has to be very transparent if it's a real human or not. And also especially um, if you think in AI longer term so that's a whole other um, conversation um, where it would have to be really important that, that you know that this is a virtual virtual human and not a real real life character. So t- tell me about your role and what you do when you say you, you, you write script for this character, right? So we had a conversation not too long ago, and I, I actually will invite people to listen to that, where a, a comedian and a, an expert in, in sociology and technology, they are the one that brought the personality to Sophia the robot. I don't know if you're mm. familiar with that, the one that goes yeah. to conference and everything. And and they were telling story about, you know, this really weird interaction, but at least it's it's still a robot, which by the way, I've seen it and it's scary. Mm. <laughs> like when you see it live, it's really yeah. like all this shit. <laughs> But uh, in, in your case, what is the role like when they tell you, hey, c- help us create this character? What, what, what do you do? What is your briefing? What is your research and, and how you decide to go? Uh, kind of like behind the scene of what you do with this. Yeah. No, so basically when I have uh, creators contact me to help create a strategy or cre- help create the personality of a virtual human or influencer, it's basically 
coming up. It depends, of course, on the purpose on, in each case. Um, but majority is storyboarding. So figuring out who is this character, like what is essential for this. Um, both like, is it a f funny one or it's like attributing different human personality traits to a character. Um, usually how I like, usually I'm briefed. Um, and sometimes it's even looking at real people or celebrities or influencers, even models. I've had one case where I was told the virtual uh, character, um, virtual human had to be a bit like Kate Moss. So for example, my research would be very into her personality and what makes her Kate Moss, what is she associated with? And then come in with, um, for example, different brands that would be associated with her. Um, the same, I think it goes for a lot of the cases where it is, um, the briefing is some sort of celebrity or a human influencer, even Kim Kardashian, you know, so she would be associated with like Balenciaga or different, you know, big companies. Um, and then looking at their social media profiles even. So what do they put on social media? They put work, family, even throwbacks. So how could you move that into a virtual, uh, virtual human on social media? So it is like doing kind of these like parallels. Um, and then, yeah, it's also figuring out what's the best way to interact with this uh, community, um, um, both in comment section, also a lot of what kind of CTA tools and just like the, the what do they want to achieve with this profile? Is it building a large following? Is it just having a lot of likes? What is, um, what is the purpose? Is the purpose to build a storyline like little Michaela as a robot or is it more a digital model that needs to be in magazines? Um, so yeah, it's just, it's really, a lot of it is taken from real life and then applied to. Yeah, and I think when I, when I think of technology and I'm, I'm uh, an enterprise guy, IT guy and, uh, trying to help companies run their businesses that this isn't too much different in that uh, brands and, and, uh, and celebrities want to want to use technology to help them as well. But scalability always comes to mind. Um, you, you reach a certain point and certainly if, if we're talking about the physical flesh person, <laughs> you can only be so many places at, at the same time and, look good if 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 you stretch yourself too thin you might not not look as good if you're a celebrity let's say so technology and virtual humans can help with that but what we're hearing is that there are humans behind the virtual humans here and i'm just wondering how how scalable is it now because we're, if we're talking about multiple profiles let's say most multiple social media profiles uh in the gaming world in the metaverse one one persona or one, one person in many virtual personas and all these different places still have humans involved, but I suspect there's some technology to help as well. So I guess my question is how, how do humans work with technology to kind of bring a personal brand to so many places, assuming that that actually does happen? Yeah. Um, 
right now it is still everything is very human uh, dependent on humans. Um, usually it is quite uh, small teams that then each content, again, is it for Instagram? Is it for TikTok? Is it for, um, yeah, like games uh, or Twitter even? Um, but again, it is also just starting out small, maybe just with Instagram and sometimes again, looking at the purpose, because also if it comes into music, then TikTok is a better platform rather than Instagram. Uh, but really there is, um, there is no really limitations. I think at one point later on, we will also be, rely be able to rely on AI to create more like the interactions with fans. But again, that's very forward thinking and futuristic. It's not something that's happening. <laughs> anytime soon yeah we know there's a lot of work in the being done in the, in the world of bots to mimic humans uh, mm. for both good and bad we've had many conversations on that so i would imagine some of that those technologies and capabilities would would carry over um are there any use cases or stories things you've worked on uh, specifically or things you're aware of that can maybe help highlight um how the, I guess the process for how this works with AI or just in, in no, just the, the, the general. Yeah. Um, so you mean with, um, just like, uh, technological, like basically visuals and the process. Yeah. I guess, uh, what I'm learning is do you sit down, are, are you in front of the computer and interacting with the people all day or do you write a, a full block of content that then somebody else sits down with and uses to interact with oh, people. Yeah. Or... Yeah. So basically in a, in a team of the creators I work with, um, I come with um, different uh, Instagram for like a week, um, kind of what's going to happen. And then we're going to sit down and look at what is visually possible as well. Because one thing is if I have a, big imagination of what's going to happen and is it also technically possible to execute visually and also how much time because it is for social media um, and so it is also again about time optimization in, in that way and that's when I kind of need creators input um, to what is actually possible as well and kind of with virtual influences on social media a lot of times it's very popular to have videos that is we've seen there's some statistics on that this is the best way to grow your community and engage is through video content. So then looking at what is the options for this uh, virtual influencer human, how, because that, that's a bit more tricky than creating static images. Well, it's tricky, more tricky. And I think it's, well, I think I know it's much more expensive. I mean, when you, <laughs> When you move from <laughs> static to dynamic and do animation, we all know what it costs to animate. Mm. And of course, we're talking about computer program now that can do that. But if, I guess, as you said, you, you have to to decide what the, the limit of the media is and, and play accordingly. So is that study that shows that producing video then it pays off um, the cost of doing there compared with creating static 
uh, you know, photos. I mean, if I think Instagram, I know now Instagram is not just photos anymore, <laughs> which is kind of upset because that's what I, I like at yeah. the beginning. It, it's video creation, video content, reels and all of that. So what, what works more or less? What's the media that? Um, so again, I base kind of on um, the resource Hype Auditor, uh, who looked at together with virtualhumans.org um, about what kind of content um, shows most engagement, which is video content. So they established that moving forward, growing a virtual influencer video is very key to work out. And I also think just coming back to non-human influencers, I think that's also why uh, it's a good option to go for uh, more animation characters like a sausage. You can just have dancing or a dog. Like you have 3D that's a, a bit more easier to create rather than a hyper-realistic virtual human on, on social media. So I think that's why it's like a good, um, it's a good idea to, to look at that as well. Yeah, if you have a stick figure, that's a lot easier. Yeah, a, it's lot, a, bit a, easier. Lot, a lot less points to move and animate. <laughs> and I, um, I'm going to become a stick figure. Yeah, that'd be easier. Yeah, of course. With Ruby, Let, yeah. Let's let's talk about the the effect that all of this can have on society. We we kind of touched on how you know people can be influenced by the appearance, and of course, we mostly we have kept this conversation into into a advertising world where the influencers is there because by definition uh, it's selling like it's that old school testimonial now we call it influencers the same thing but do, are there case study where these avatar are effective into actually do something a little bit more meaningful for society i'm talking about um the Smokey the Bear campaign, the character for, you know, stop spreading fire in, you know, was very popular here in California, but many others application where I'm thinking, can these avatars be teachers? Can they be used to educate kids? Can they be used for uh, mental health uh, support? I mean, it is, or is it just driven by selling? No, I definitely think there is uh, a lot of opportunities um, for virtual humans to to help in with society, even virtual influencers, because they have such a big outreach, and especially they target uh, millennials and Gen Z. So, for example, in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, um, the World Health Organization actually teamed up with a virtual influencer that I think is called Fort Knox. Um, Fort Knox? Or, yeah, or just Knox. <laughs> something like that. Something along the lines for that. I just remember Knox. I think it's something okay, like that's, that. Okay, that's memorable enough uh, just to yes. figure out why. But basically, they, they teamed up with this uh, virtual influencer to spread the more like the hygienics of like how to like, you know, stay keep safe from COVID and, and help not spread it. So that was one way for them to, to communicate that to a larger and more young audience. Um, and yeah, we also have uh, recently, uh, I think a virtual influencer that is um, kind of uh, representing what's going on in Ukraine. So staying, keeping updates and, and what is going on there and 
highlighting organizations in order how you can help with with the situation with the war. Um, so yeah, it is at the moment um, it is very focused on 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 basically highlighting organizations and and how you can help in in different situations um, for now. But I think longer term also healthcare wise again i think then it would need to have more transparency in terms of who are behind these characters so you would need someone who's a therapist like not someone like like myself who's not who doesn't have a mental health um um yeah education behind um so yeah you would need then someone who are literally qualified and i think that's where it's important that that transparency exists that's an excellent point, and I'm and I'm wondering. Uh, I'm kind of getting. I'm, I joked about being a stick figure. I'm just wondering: is this at the moment kind of contained within the commercial space, and then perhaps uh, large entities uh, like the like the WHO, WHO, who want to do something meaningful, either help society or make money? Is there ever or or do we see an opportunity for somebody like me to have virtual versions of myself? So I'm busy today. You Sorry, Marco. You can, I'm going to join you as a virtual human on redefining technology next week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, how I kind of see this going with uh, virtual humans and, and influences is that they're just like a, at the forefront of that we're all going to have our own virtual influencer and human. So, I mean, again, we do have like the concept of avatars that we put into Decentraland and Roboblox. Um, but I think as technology progress and kind of becomes more accessible, accessible to people who are not uh, technology like geeks, and I don't know how to work in Unreal Engine, for example, but once that becomes more accessible to everyone, we will have our own virtual influences that we can put both on social media, but also then move into the different metaverses. And we will kind of, yeah, even take them into Zoom calls. Yeah, because I, I remember it's a few years ago now, so who knows what the kids these days are doing. Um, but I remember a good friend of ours telling us about how his daughter had, had many different profiles. So not just one across all the platforms, but many across all the platforms. And each one had a different persona and, and had different conversations and different set of friends. And I found that interesting. I can hardly keep up with one across a few, let alone many across a ton. So uh, it's interesting to me that, that that's kind of the trend moving forward. And, and this seems to make that even more possible. So it's more than just an I. Uh, a circle with your head in it <laughs> or a picture or whatever else you want to put in there, but actual virtual version of you. And I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I guess creating all of those different versions of you can be a full-time job. It seems I don't know. It's strange. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's, it is quite interesting to look at. So for example, uh, another company that's called ready player me, um, they kind of link different metaverses through, an avatar so you can go in already now and create your your own avatar and you can create several so 
and I think you even have options. I think I created mine as like a samurai because I wasn't super happy with some of the outfits. So I was like, I'm just going to create this like super <laughs> fictitious character of like, what would I want to look like? Because that's another conversation. Like, would you want to look like you in this space or would you want to like really like space out and colors or outfits and like, you know, in each space. Burberry check everywhere. Yeah. That's the only option. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, this is a conversation that definitely can go in, in a lot of places. And I, in my head, I'm like, okay, I want to ask all these questions, but then I'm like, we're talking about influencers. So th the point that I'm, I'm saying with this rumbling in my head is the fact that you have this possibility to build a, a virtual human or a virtual a digital twin of yourself or a, an avatar. You want to be a dragon or a samurai or whatever you want to be. I think that the definition of each single one, it, it depends on what it does. So influencers, obviously, like I said, the word is it's it's a it's selling something. Either it's selling a it's influencing your decision, it may be done for good reasons and very honorable, or it could be done to just sell you a product. And we've always done that. We're just doing it in a different way right now. But I really love where you're going with, with the metaverse. And maybe we want to finish with that, looking a little bit into the future. And you, you touched on something very important to me. And, and Sean actually went on, on a different one, meaning like someone can have multiple avatar. And I agree with him. I just have a problem in representing myself once on all social media and I can't even think about <laughs> creating uh, other persona, but it's about storytelling. It's about going into an immersive reality and say, you know, for an hour, I'm going to be in World of Warcraft and I'm going to be at health or something like that. At the same time, I like the idea that you mentioned on how in the metaverse you could carry your own character in every universe where you go. And that's kind of, me make me think about the definition of the metaverse so with you working in this environment and with this you know I'm, I'm sure you think a lot about what the future could look like i know fashion industries have been investing in creating virtual purses and you know shoes and gucci and prada and all of that and they're actually selling for big money in the metaverse already but then what you do with it can you take it with you from one verse to another so what's your opinion on there? I mean, what's your definition of metaverse and how would you see that to become the better version of itself? Yeah, so um, I think it's important to, to be able to take these things into the different spaces. Again, I think that comes also down to something legal um, from a legal perspective. But yeah, I mean, I think these avatars that, that we're going to have is also going to be a good way for digital fashion to enter more into these spaces because um, that's a whole other uh, debate um, rather than using it on social media, bringing it into um, into the metaverses. And maybe what you wear even gives you a certain superpower. I mean, in the different spaces, you know, you could be, you don't need to be confined by physical limitations. Um, it could give you certain features and unlock certain um, pathways in 
in the metaverse um, or connections, um, kind of like you have in any type of game, really. Um, and I think that's a that's a very interesting perspective from now that I come from fashion. That suddenly you can attribute other other different things that that you purchase. Um, and again, this is also that then the metaverse ties to to NFTs, really, that this will be a payment method in the metaverse. So it all kind of just like links links together. The sky is the limit there. Exactly. I mean, and then you and then you have an and now you have an influencer that will show up in your virtual world and and try to sell you something. Maybe it's not going to knock on your door and sell you an Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that raises a question for me. I know we're getting getting close to the time here, but what makes an influencer? Margot, you said it's either to influence somebody to to make a decision which one of those decisions could or act, take action, which one of those actions or decisions could be to buy something. Um, but it doesn't have to be about purchasing. And I'm just wondering, does this give us an opportunity to all become virtual influencers? Yeah, so I think, so with virtual influencers specifically, um, again, that would be on social media. So Instagram or Twitter, TikTok, you name it, um, that is specifically virtual influencers, like you would have a proper influencer. And then avatars are basically in the metaverse space, for example. So I believe that, for example, when we create this avatar in the metaverse, it will be really cool to also then be able to build them up with social media profiles on Instagram and then correlate them into becoming virtual influencers. Yeah, because I... One thing uh, well, we've talked about the metaverse quite a bit, but just just picking up the physical world and dropping it in the metaverse doesn't seem very exciting to me. Trying to replicate it, so taking all the existing influencers <laughs> and giving them the same "quote unquote" power that they have in the in the metaverse doesn't make sense to me either. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not playing much there yet, but uh, for me, I'd like to be able to see something different and maybe different views on things and different be influenced in different ways and be uh be inspired to explore different things that maybe i i'm not able to in the physical world right well look i think a lot about this stuff either i i, I play in there or not not as much as i want to even if i look at my goggles there i'm like oh i haven't used it in a long time but i do think about it a lot and i think about is this an opportunity to create like some are doing um lawless world where everything it's the metaverse you go there because there is no constriction there is no rules and you can do whatever you want and another one is take the opportunity to create certain universe where maybe you have a better version of our society very philosophical but something to to think about i mean we cannot if we go in a metaverse where there is no law we're going to need a social contract for that so um, I, I cannot divide what is digital versus what is real anymore. You know what I mean? So if you have a power to influence people, I think where I'm going, Astrid, with this is that with great power comes great responsibility. And uh, we're all influencers in a certain way. I mean, even if you influence one person that follows you on Twitter, I think people should have that responsibility and think that they can influence, especially a kid maybe or a teenager yeah. and 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 how we talk has weight so um a lot a lot of uh food for thoughts here i say 
Um, Astrid, where do, where do you see this world uh, going? Are you still excited to work on, on this? Are you, is there like a next uh, something that excites you more than this right now, or you just see the next evolution of this? Um, I mean, I am very fascinated with this space, and I have to say, I think sort of going from fashion, I definitely feel like this is like the world that I want to be in for now. Um, also, because it's so new still where, where it can go. And I think for many creators now, it's to look at, well, how can we even uh, blur the lines even more between digital and physical? So can we actually invite virtual humans or vir the popular virtual influences into our homes or even cars and accompany us wherever we are in, in society or even also for retail stores. So I think it's really exciting to see where it can go. Um, technology will, of course, get there and help us along. That's another, another really vital aspect. But I'm extremely excited to see, see where this will all go. But yeah, I'm definitely in the right place. At the right time. <laughs> Very good. That's nice. that's a good place to be, and and uh, I, I wish that. To I would a agree. Lot, a you're, lot of you're, you're right here, right now. So I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Astrid, thank you so much for this conversation. Of course, as usual, we hope uh, we leave our audience with uh, a lot of questions and little answers. That's that's our goal, Sean, and uh, we we keep thinking. Maybe we, we keep trying to make the right decision before. Oops, Smarter for being dumber. That's what you're trying to say. I don't know. That, that, <laughs> maybe we need to assume that. You know, let's just assume we're all, you know, we can do much better than what we're doing. But again, thank you so much, Astrid. I uh, love to think. And everybody else uh, that is listening right now that is not part of this conversation, or maybe they were. Maybe we were surrounded by a lot of little invisible avatar here, and I don't even know about it. There'll be show notes, link to Astrid's uh, social media and to learn about her articles and resources. And uh, stay tuned and uh, we will talk about some other ways to redefine society next time. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. hope you enjoyed this episode. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.